it doesn't work that way, people. It doesn't work that way. You have to have the discipline and the like, take the time. It, it can be frustrating, honestly, when you see some people seem on this surface level. And I remind myself of this, like on the surface, it seems like they're like scooting along really fast. And I'm like, they just jumped in this. Like they don't know anything. And I feel like I'm going like slow as a snail. And I'm like, I'll just have, I want sustained success for forever. I want like solid success and, and listening to people like you and following you and like just tucking all the pearls away. <laughs> as an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having my friend with me today, Julie Holly. How are you? Oh, Jerome, I've been looking forward to this, like, I don't know, since it, we scheduled it, since you reached out to me. Thank you so much. You are I'm just so the glad <laughs> you are coming to hang out with me today in this multifamily kickstart segment. And I feel like you're just going to back me in a corner and beat me up with a bunch of questions but I'm ready for it. So let's, well, first off, tell the listeners a little bit about you. You've been flowing around for a while. Let them, let, let's take advantage of the opportunity. To share with them. Who are right. you? <laughs> who am, you know, I've been asking myself that question for quite some time. You've helped me figure out who I am, you know, through our little threads over on LinkedIn. So I'm sure anyone listening to this is already over on LinkedIn following you, but if they're not, you need to. So just make sure you're doing that. But yeah, I'm Julie Holly. I finally figured out that I'm kind of like the everything girl. So I love real estate and I love serving people. And I have a background in education. And so after taking my robotics team to the world championship and kind of in a sense syndicated that free, that really just bold, like just gave me this confidence. Like I can do this. I can totally do this and change lives and empower people and everybody can win. And so, yeah, that's like everything about what I do is always about like everybody winning and people serving each other really well. Yes. Yes. You got to serve the people. And I think that is probably the thing that probably for me stands out the most is like just your heart for loving on and encouraging people along the way. And I, I often ask myself, can she really do this for everybody? Because it's so intense. And so for me, it would be so draining, but you're you're different. I know. You know what? Here's the thing. I actually want to do mindset. So I'm also a podcaster and I focus on multifamily and mindset at Ask Me How I Know. And if I were out in my studio, we'd have a virtual background, but my North Idaho internet (laughs) gave me the boot. And now I'm up in this little office of my husband's. Um, But all this to say, I am going to do an episode on favorites. I think there's room for everybody to have favorites, but I'm just giving a teaser and letting you know that like everybody has something so special about them that is makes it easy to just like be a magnet and drawn to them and just say like, Oh my gosh, look, that's your gift. That's your shininess. Like, it's so cool. You have lots it of is. shininess though. Wait, <laughs> you have lots of wait. gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But all right. So it's time for you to mm, ask the you- questions. 
Are you ready? I'm not, but we're going to do it because I invited you to come hang out. You're so ready. Okay. So I love this because you are really grounded. I think out of the investor community, I think you're one of the most grounded people that I know. And like, you're just not going to cave into a deal just to do a deal. So here's the thing is that I just noticed that there's, I've had to wrestle with my ego and say like, well, it's great that you're passively invested and that you are making this transition and, but it really stinks to get rejected to, you know, not have your LOIs pan out and to have deals not come together. And it can become very tempting (laughs) because ego plays a role in life. It can become tempting to kind of start to like, well, maybe, maybe I don't need the returns to be X, Y, or Z, or maybe we don't need to blah, blah, blah. No, I'm a pretty resolved person. So, (laughs) but I'm just thinking like, how do you, how do you stand your ground? How do you stand your ground and stay a hundred percent zeroed in? Cause you are committed. Like you have a goal on how you invest and like you're zeroed in. Like, how do you keep that resolve? Yeah, I think for me, it's probably the engineer, right? So every deal is a math problem and that is the kind of the end of it. We let the emotions and all this stuff happen. But if the math problem isn't solvable, then none of the other stuff really matters. And so And the other piece of it is I know that I'm not perfect in my operations, although I focus on numbers and I think we run our operating expenses really tight. Like we can run most buildings for less than $225 a month. But if I buy a deal and there's no cushion because, you know, I don't need the double digit returns, I can do it on eight and then something happens. I could be at negative three, right? Or I could be at negative 30 and everybody who participated in a deal who trusted my model, who believed that I was the person that could asset manage the property to get them to double or triple their money over the course of five to seven years is going to be looking at me asking what happened. And I can say, oh, well, you know, I made this assumption and it wasn't right or the market changed or, you know, inflation happened and cap rates went up. Like you can come up with all this stuff, but nobody actually cares why. They're just asking so that they can figure out a way to get okay with what happened. And so the best way that I think that you can fix that is to make sure that it doesn't happen. And that's by buying a deal that you can make money. And so we live in this, what I consider pretty hyper, it's not hypersensitive, but people are celebrating buying a deal as if the same as if it was like buying crypto, right? So if I post on LinkedIn that I bought $2,000 worth of what, XRP two weeks ago, nobody's going to say congratulations to me. I didn't make any money, right? But when I exit or when I send distribution checks, I made money. And that's the whole game with this investing stuff. First, it's not to lose money, which is why I don't go into deals where it's too tight, hoping that something happens. The second is to make money. And you know, buying something, hoping that the cap rate gets tighter is speculation. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Oh my gosh, seriously. You have to be able to figure out how to grow the net operating income. And and this is the kind of the whole cold hard facts of this business. You either increase income, decrease expenses. One of those, probably neither one of those is actually something that you know you can do. You think you can do it, but you don't know if the market's going to bear the $50 increase. Unless you've done enough research to say, hey, this isn't 
at market rent. Market rent is actually this. And I had a weekly call with my property manager today and they rented something that we bought a couple of years ago. It'll be three years ago in July where it was renting at 415. We just rented that unit for 650. Seriously, that was a number in my head. I was like, play yeah. the prices right, Julie. Come on, you can get it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, my pro forma doesn't have 650 on it anywhere. Right. I said I could raise rents a hundred bucks. Right. And then, you know, the 5% increase on $500 was going to be what? Cause I do 5% because I'm always chasing the market. I know everybody's like, oh, that's way too much. But if you're chasing the market, you can do 5% pretty easy. So, you know, that would be 500, 525, 550, seven or 575, something like that. But 650 was like year five. Right. And so we're doing it before year three, but you cannot assume that that's going to happen. And that's what people are doing. And so what I could tell you, because I pride myself on being able to model, right, is I can make the spreadsheet say whatever I wanted to say. And it's up to the people who are reviewing that to determine whether or not they agree with my assumptions. But, and this is the biggest but, most people aren't actually sophisticated investors when it comes to multifamily investing. They can't look at a model and tell if it was pencil whipped, right? They know, hey, expenses should be 40% of the income and repairs and maintenance should be 10%. And the cap rate is whatever it is. And that's where it stops. But I can go in and do all kinds of things and you have no idea. All you see is cash on cash return and IRR. And you're like, oh yeah, this is a great deal. And so I could rant because this is one of my pet peeves because this people This is why I wanted are, to go into this. Yeah, people are putting money into deals. They're not going to make any money. They don't know that they're not going to make any money. And then when they get to the end of the road, they're going to badmouth the person who put the deal together. But if you're a passive and you put money in the deal and you didn't look at the actual model and the assumptions that fed the model, you're just as at fault as the person who did the model, right? It's That's why they want you to be sophisticated when you invest. And most people have listened to a few podcasts and they feel like they're able to run a very, very complicated and I, for me, it's, it's really frustrating to see. And so, you know, that's why we started the live course. And that's why we have the recorded course so that people can actually have a full framework to compare against, because again, I can make a model say whatever I wanted to say. And if you don't know enough to question the numbers, all you see is the return and you smiling because, hey, this is so much better than the stock market and it's safer because it's a real asset and I get tax benefits. But, oh, by the way, if you're not a real estate professional, you probably don't get those tax benefits. And so people don't tell the whole story. And it's frustrating for me because I want people to actually be educated before they place their twenty five dollars to $250,000 allocation. Because for some people that I know, that is their nest egg. And they're trying to go to that next phase. But they're doing it without the proper education. And so... In some ways, shapes and forms, they actually end up getting taken advantage of. And that's the part that breaks my heart. That's that's a huge part right there. I This is so... I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm kind of learning this through this concept firsthand through an alternative investment that I went and jumped in on. And it was like, if you don't know what you're investing in, if you don't know the behind the scenes and how it's how the operator is doing it and this and that and the other thing, you end up with a lot of work on your hands and it seems all great and people can present it. And I, 
who is it? I, I, I've seen this floating around out there and it says like, yeah, I've never met a pro forma. I didn't love, right. <laughs> like All the pro formas are like, you know, appealing and it's like, oh yeah, that's great. Or, you know, and, and the GP team can present an, a deal that's like, they've pulled all the different levers as you and I've been on the spreadsheets. And it's like, oh, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? What's the relationship? How's it? You don't know what they're, if you don't know what they're doing, dang. So I like, this is really firsthand personal. I think this is also good. Like I, I kind of dabble into different things because it keeps a lot of the feelings fresh of like, oh, I don't want my passive investors to feel like that. <laughs> Well, and, but you shouldn't feel like that too. Right. And so it's on me though. I totally own it, but I had not completely on you though. And this is the part where I get most frustrated about the space, right? It's the person who has the best marketing wins, period. It doesn't matter how good of an operator you are. It doesn't matter how good your deal is. If you aren't a great marketer, people are going to pass on your deal. And that part is probably going to hit some people in the face because if you're side hustling to try to get in a multifamily, it's hard for you to rationalize a thousand dollars for a pitch deck so that somebody can make the thing pretty for you. And I will also go a step further and say, if you're buying workforce housing and you put all these fancy buildings from a city into your document, and then you put a picture of your workforce housing in there, you're going to end up in a place where it's a mess because they're like, I, I want this thing. I don't want your workforce housing. I, I want pride of ownership. I want the big shiny thing, right? So putting that all together, showing who you truly are, because I mean, at the end of the day, the person's betting on you, right? The investment is the horse. You're the jockey, right? And it's not just you, it's the property manager too. But between those two things, like you got the opportunity to actually make the business work. And I'm not talking about the apartment. I'm talking about the actual business, right? How can you market it? How can you drive the revenue? How can you manage all the expenses that don't need to be made? And are your capital placements for, you know, renovations and things to improve the longevity? Are they well-placed? And do you actually know about them going into the deal or are you just guessing? You know, if you don't have any construction background, you're totally relying on somebody else to tell you what the number is going to be. Their only risk in telling you what the number is going to be is being fired after the budget runs out. That is their only risk because nobody's doing lump sum. Everybody's saying, here's the thing. And, you know, we'll kind of work our way through it. But once your budget runs out, they're done. They're going to go to the next thing. And you've got some pretty frustrated people on your hands because, well, you can't finish executing the business plan. So I, again, like you've got to make sure you've got the right skill sets and requisite knowledge. Yeah. Most people wouldn't go start a plumbing company without going to some form of trade school, but you're going to own and operate a real estate business that is worth a few hundred thousand or a few million dollars after listening to podcasts and reading a book. In a lot of ways, it feels disrespectful to me. It it is. And well, it's just like you're saying, like there's such an art form to everything and we take it for granted. In fact, I just had that post I put up on LinkedIn about like just the type of success that people can have. And so many people they want that, you know, um, it's that pious success, is what I call it, a little bit self-righteous. Like, you know, they just want to like, well, I don't want the dirty money from winning the lottery. I don't want it like in like like I didn't do anything to earn it because I'm a good person. So I like, I just want to like work my butt off for six months and then like the sky's part and I get a pot of gold. And it's like, it doesn't work that way, people. 
it doesn't work that way. You have to have the discipline and the like, take the time. It, it can be frustrating, honestly, when you see some people seem on this surface level. And I remind myself of this, like on the surface, it seems like they're like scooting along really fast. And I'm like, they just jumped in this, like they don't know anything. And I feel like I'm going like slow as a snail. And I'm like, I'll just have, I want sustained success for forever. I want like solid success and, and listening to people like you and following you and like just tucking all the pearls away. <laughs> well, and have you ever seen somebody speed past you on a rainy day on the highway? And then and like, like two seconds on a curvy you're... road. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what it is. Right. And so being cautious, taking your time, making sure you have the appropriate knowledge for the thing that you're doing keeps you from running off the road. Like there's people who are going to run off the road and their career is going to be over because they were going fast and didn't actually understand the landscape, understand the road, understand the way that their vehicle is going to operate within the road. And it's sad, but then there's going to be people on the backside who know what they're doing. They're going to pick up those properties. They're going to buy them at the right price. They're going to make money. And that person who had the people in the car and they were having fun and the music was loud and the windows were down and they were going faster than they should be going are going to be there watching all bumped and bruises and saying this thing doesn't work. And I can't believe that people are still putting their money in it and they should be over here doing this thing. At the end of the day, if you don't have the knowledge and you're dealing with and but you have money and you're dealing with somebody who has the knowledge, that person's going to walk away with the knowledge and your money. And I've watched it happen over and over again. And it's the reason why I started this podcast, right? Because when you don't know, and we're not even competing, like there's this very, very short window where people are competing on a deal. And outside of that, there's no reason to compete with anybody because the better they do, the better you do and vice versa, especially if you're in the same town, right? If I've got a one bedroom, one bath unit that I'm renting for $415 and you're renting yours for $650, I want you to do more of that so I can use your (laughs) comp for mine. Exactly. If you're running your building for $250 a unit and I'm running mine for $400, I'm going to want to know what you're doing so I can get down to that number. And that's going to balloon my NOI. And then that's going to balloon the value of the property. And I'm going to sell it. And we're all going to smile, right? Because we made money. And I'm not competing. Again, it's just no competition except for that very, very small window when something's going to trade. And Honestly, if it's in competition, if there's a bunch of people betting on it, I'm not going to win anyway, right? I want to be the only game in town when I'm trying to do a deal. I don't buy from brokers unless they brought it to me and they haven't shared it with other people. And even if they have, I want to be the first to look at it, build my fence, see if I want it. And if I want it, then we buy it. But if not, then off to the world. And so, you know, I like to pick with people and hopefully some people listen to this that want to buy in Greensboro. If you're seeing the deal... I already looked at it and passed. (laughs) That stings a little bit for some people. (laughs) But I mean, I I buy one market, right? There's people who buy all over country and I, I don't. I want to be the guy in Greensboro, right? And that allows me to quickly determine whether or not it's a deal I want to buy. Somebody called me today. Hey, I'm looking at this one. Is this a comp to that? Well, the location is far superior. You're going to be able to get an extra hundred dollars in rents there. Blah, blah, blah. I, I didn't. He called that person direct. He's right to the owner. I didn't do the work to call that owner. It's a smaller property, not one that we want to add to the portfolio, considering the other development stuff that we have going on this year. So, 
you know, everybody's got their space. But again, he and I aren't competing. In fact, I want him to buy the deal because I think he's going to take the property, make it better, improve the lives of the people there. And those are the type of operators I want in the community because there's a bunch of people who just want to take money out and not actually make any investment. But when there's people who are doing the right things, then I think it makes a ton of sense to have them come to the community because it, again, it elevates everybody. That hurts my heart when I when I think of anyone not operating an asset well. It's like, these are people's lives. This is where people live. This is like, this affects the community. And you seem, you have um, a lot. Of, so I want to ask you about that. Like you have the way you invest in properties really does improve lives from what I've seen. Can you give like... I don't know, like the golden key, I, you know, like how would somebody, what's the most effective way? Because some people go against that and say, well, you know what, it just can't pencil out. It's not going to work. You know, you won't ever get your profits when you're doing good work at the same time. I know it's not true, but. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. There's nothing further from the truth there. The issue is you it won't pencil out if you pay a price that doesn't make sense, right? The owner who has the property more often than not has deferred maintenance. They didn't do the deferred maintenance because the property isn't functioning well, usually because they're not charging enough in rent, right? And so because they're not charging enough in rent, their net operating income is very, very slim. That net operating income forces the value. So when people are buying things independent of the actual financials, they're putting themselves in a position where they can't actually make the improvements they need to make. So you have to buy off actuals if you want to do the work necessary to fix the property in a way where it's going to actually elevate the community. And the owner of the property shouldn't be rewarded for work they didn't do. They didn't create the net operating income, so they don't get the multiple on that revenue. And that's just the way that we buy, right? We buy based on what you actually did. I don't know anywhere else where I'm going to get paid for something I didn't do. <laughs> I, I I would love that, right? Back to the dirty money. And that's why I said, let's go dirty, right? I, was just I, I want that. the dirty money, right? Give me the, just give it to me, but it doesn't actually work out that way. So I'm going to reward you for what you did. And when I buy it, that number, there's enough cushion built in for me to make the capital improvements. Then because I made those capital improvements, I'm able to grow rents. I mean, for instance, the property that we, the first property we bought, it was rented at $695. We rent that property $1,195 a day, right? We put in a ton of money in that property. We bought it for $1.3. We're going to market and it's going to be around $4 million for a trade price. But we put money into the property. And then in addition to that, we had the rents follow the investment that we made. So absolutely can do it. It's just 
you're paying too much for your property, right? Your cost basis is too high. So it's not going to pencil. And if you're getting all of your leads from brokers, well, their responsibility is to the owner. They're not to you as the person who's going to come in and actually do the work. And so I guess kind of the final point on that for me is I don't want to be the person who pays a five cap for a property that's a construction project. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I, I it, The mathematics doesn't work. And then hope that on the back end, the cap rates stay where they are. They're not. Interest rates are going to go up. So there's no gap between the interest rates and the cap rate. And when that happens, you'll have negative leverage and nothing works at that point. And oh, by the way, you may say, oh, but I'm in the deal. But when you get ready to exit, you're going to have the same issue because people aren't going to be able to justify the cap rate. And so, you know, we're playing these games where I call it speculation. We're rolling the dice and hoping that this or that works, but none of us actually have that crystal ball. And so what's actually reasonable, what's customary for that market? And can you live with those returns? Because if you can't, and back to right being able to make the model say whatever I want to say, I can change that cap rate from 6.5 to 6 to get that little extra bump and then tell you, oh yeah, I mean, come on, of course, don't you see the market? If you ask me, but you probably don't even know to ask me. And you don't know the questions that you don't even know. Because you're not sophisticated. And this is why the education piece is so important and why I'm kind of, well, no, I'm really frustrated with the space because no, I don't, I'm not telling anybody to go spend $30,000, right? I, I don't know that when you're getting into the space that you need to go drop $30,000 on education. I just, I don't think that's true. Because your first deal, you're not going to get an acquisition fee that's anywhere close to that. Because if you look at what everybody has done that's an educator, they've done a smaller deal on the front side. They've done something usually less than 50, right? Most of them are less than 20 if you really listen to their story. And so that acquisition fee is three, $5,000. Okay, pay that, right? And then build from there, but actually have some track records so that you can go buy the bigger deals. And I, for everybody, that's not sexy though, right? Back to your your pious success, right? Right. right. The pious success is I need the big one. I, I need that two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollar acquisition fee, and nobody actually peels back the layers so you can see how the pie gets carved up. Because more often than not, people don't have the net worth, they don't have the liquidity to do the thing, and so those people who come in, they're going to sit at the table and they're going to have a feast. Right. You did all the work. You found the deal. You put everything together, but you still had those missing pieces. And there's a tax to bring those to the deal. So, yeah, man, I I could go on a rant and I didn't go on the rant I wanted to. But, yeah, this is this is major. It It is major. It is super major. It, it's interesting because I'm not a money driven purpose or person. I'm like very much purpose driven. And so like, if I could see a purpose behind it, is then like money is just one thing. It's like one it's resource. It's a tool. Exactly. It accomplishes things and just like talent and time and energy all accomplish things. So I'm like used well, leveraged well, everything can accomplish so much. So when people are looking at a price tag of like, gosh, you know, maybe I should take Jerome's, you know, go through his classes and stuff. It's like, you can't look at 
a dollar sign and say, oh, well, I don't want to pay X amount of dollars. You have to say like, wait a second, I'm trading my, it's a trade. I'm using that tool money to get this so that I can be successful with my time and energy as I pursue these other investments and strategically. It's like, yeah, I think of it more as insurance than anything else, right? There, I can't guarantee that anybody's going to do a deal ever, but I can let a person know the things that they shouldn't do to make sure that they don't lose 10 times that, right? And that's what I see more often than not is, oh yeah, I'm going to buy this deal. Okay, did you do this, this, and this? I talked to somebody earlier today and they did not verify the income. Right. So the person sent them a certified rent roll. I have no idea what that means. Right. But they sent them a certified rent roll. They kissed it and, and sent it over. Yeah, right. And they didn't even verify that the money was collected. And so they got a big old surprise when they closed on the property. Whoa. And I mean, tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Right. So what do you do with that? Well, you don't do anything with it because you didn't have somebody tell you about it before to warn you. And then when you went through it, nobody looked over your shoulder and said, hey, stop. Here's a real opportunity for you to lose money or be surprised. You might want to look, Julie, we have driver's ed, right? Driver's ed's a thing, right? We don't just give kids keys to cars and let them go. Somebody sits in the seat and helps them go do the thing. It's a very, it could be a weapon if you're not careful, right? So what could be a weapon of destruction to your wealth creation? <laughs> What's a bigger one? A bad investment, right? A, a bad investment or a partnership that goes sideways. You do those two things, everything that you built could be wiped away in a matter of months. And people are like, oh yeah, don't worry about that. I'm not worried about the risk. Okay. Until it happens. And then they're like, well, shoot. <laughs> shoot. We should ask some questions. We should have known better. Okay. Well, yeah. Go ahead. On a totally different topic that is money driven. <laughs> I'm trying to go like be a little bit outside myself, right? And that is, I love that you're driving rents so powerfully and that you're bullish to say like, no, I know my market. I know what I can do. I know I can do 5%. So like, how did you get to that point? How did you position yourself? Looking at tons of deals, understanding the areas that are growing, looking at what's happening in around the property, right? So, and having enough in the market in enough different places in the market that we know kind of those sub markets within the city. And, you know, that part for us is like really exciting. Like we bought one where rents were 500 or renting them for 700. Like we know what they need. They need gray floors. They need gray walls. They need new lights. They need vanities in the bathroom. They need countertops. Maybe they need white cabinets. If they don't, if they're brown, we paint them white. Like they, we know what type of appliances they need. And we know what we have to do in the bathroom. We know what that costs. And I mean, it, you do the same thing over and over again. It, that part, the systemization of it makes it really easy once you actually have a footprint. But standing all that up and deciding, hey, here's where I buy. And again, a lot of it's because I buy one place, right? And I'm starting to see the power of that, quite yeah. frankly. And it just happens to be one of the market, hottest markets, right? When you look at rent growth and you look at the laggards. And I wish I was smart enough to say I knew all that when I started, but I didn't, right? And things started to happen and it started to grow. And so, and we just happened to be here. So, but you really... You really want to know your market, right? You can't fix that piece. You, if some, 
This is my favorite thing. When somebody from California tells me about my market, <laughs> this is my favorite part, right? Because they have no idea, right? Because all of the data that's on the internet is stale, right? It happened whenever. It's not like they're running this monthly or daily or any of that. It's old. And so, yeah, I having somebody in the market that really knows the market, if you're going to invest in more than one market is the key, but they need to be an expert. They absolutely need to be an expert. That's interesting. Um, I'm invested in Huntsville and I love that market. And my family and I traveled back there in September. And just because we know the power of boots on the ground and like, like we need to drive it. We need to see it. Our poor kids clock so many car hours and, and audiobooks and everything. But all that to say, we, we were going into tertiary markets and this one market, I'm like, I just want to check this one. And I'm not going to say it because I think it's going to be a hot market. And I like have my little finger like on it, watching it, you know, and uh, anyhow, it looks like a nothing type place and all these stats on it, look, just make it look like trash. And we drove around, we've lived in different parts. We've driven around and we've been in real estate and residential for, for years. So it's like, you kind of have a, a way of like, just understanding, you know, a neighborhood and such. This is like the cutest little town. If you look at the stats on it, it would look like, you know, you're going to get mugged around the corner or something. And it's like, no, that's not, this is, this is going to be great. This is going to work. <laughs> Make sure that there is diversity of income, right? When you go to the smaller towns, because usually there's one or two employers that control everything. And if they decide to pack up bags, like you're seeing Tesla, some of the other big companies do, you can be in real trouble and make sure that you understand crime and that you don't buy in a play area because crime is really hard to eradicate. You can't, like, you can't get around that. And so if you, from a location standpoint, if you can stay out of the crime areas, a main and main property in one of those markets is always going to perform, right? And this is my belief, Julia. Like, I don't care what any of the thought leaders say. You can make money in every real estate market. In fact, there's somebody making money in every real estate market. You just have to know it well enough to know what to buy and what not to buy. And right. if you have those two things, right, and you know what the formula is, you can make money. It's not... I okay, here's the top 10 list. I got to buy in the top 10. That's not real. You just have to know the market well enough in order to know what to buy within that market. Because again, people make money every single day in every market. Yeah, there's there's something available. This is one thing that I thoroughly appreciate about you is that you, you don't let any thought leaders kind of tell you what to think. You really, you think for yourself. I mean, that red pill kind of helps, but. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I mean, for them, right? Like I, I'm, it's, it's really insane because I didn't go through anybody's course. I did it the wrong way. I did it the hard way. It was the most inefficient and ineffective way. But by doing it that way, I learned how everybody was thinking about it. Now, did that stuff work for me? It didn't because I didn't understand kind of their full framework. But what it did do was give me perspective, right? And that's why nobody that is a thought leader actually talks about their start. Like they fast forward to their syndication deals, right? All of them. They overnight won't talk success. about the first deal. Absolutely. And they've always been there, right? <laughs> and I'm I'm okay with that, but I want less sizzle and more steak. And I want people to, because when you're starting out, there is so much to figure out. I don't want people to feel like they have to go there because the number of people who actually get there is so slim. 
right? It's like going to the NBA, literally, right? You think about all the people who start out on this journey and they lose money. They quit because they can't find a deal. Their spouse says they want to do something else, et cetera, et cetera. There's all the reasons why not. And so the few people who actually get the deal done and get to the payday and get to send the acquisition fee and then have the successful exit and they look like a genius and really the market just was doing really well and there was cap rate compression and you could have done anything in order to make money. You don't actually know how to operate. Uh Uh-oh. And, you know, at the end of the day, who am I to say? You know, I I don't know anything, right? But what I do know is that most people aren't actually running a business. They're rolling the dice. They're gambling and they're hoping that the market saves them. And I don't want anybody, especially like if you're a first-generation wealth creator, to get put in a situation where you are misled to believe that one is commonplace Two, just put your money in. There's no way it can go down. Three, you don't actually have to understand what you're doing in order to be successful. And, you know, I made the joke about crypto. Like I put my money in crypto and it went down. Right. <laughs> and I have no idea. And then it went back up and I was like, wait, what happened? I have no understanding of how it actually works. My money shouldn't be there. Right. But somebody told me, hey, you need to do this because it's going to create this crazy wealth for you. And that's what's happening in multifamily, except it is actually a business where you can understand if you want to how it works and actually make real money. So that's my rant for today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. It reminds me of, you know, 2005, six, seven in real estate when it was just, you know, people could buy a home and they could fog a mirror, but I was in residential sales at that time. And it was like, you could just like, you saw so many sales agents out there and not everybody doing the right thing. And it was so easy. And I've actually, in my mind, I look at the multifamily space in that way right now. It's like, well, multifamily is sexy. Like it's the cool thing to do. And it seems easy because things have been so easy. So I'm like, I'm just watching this and drawing some parallels going, hmm, this is going to be interesting. It's it's extremely interesting. And I think interesting is probably too kind of a word. I, <laughs> I'm worried that there's going to be a bunch of wealth transfer for people who did not actually transfer from people who are new to wealth creation to people who already have wealth because of people who didn't, who were new, didn't have the knowledge they needed in order to keep their wealth. And that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It's sad, I'm with actually. you on that. And the other, the other, one of the other repercussions that concerns me is how people would then view investing in real estate, apartment syndications. Oh, I can't do that now. <laughs> they told us that that was safe. You know, it wasn't the same as single family homes, but no, there's a ripple effect. There is. And the people who actually live in the apartments are the ones that are probably going to be most adversely impacted, right? Because it's their home and having absentee owners from a standpoint of not being responsible or prudent is going to put them in a bad spot. So, yeah. Julie, this was phenomenal as I thought it would be. I've got to run. (laughs) I could do this for a couple of hours. So I'll have to have you back. I, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to have you come back. Is that okay? I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. You know, I just, I, I love spinning space. I love conversing with you. And I just think the world of you. I think you're phenomenal. For sure, man. For sure. All right. So to the listeners, until the next time, the pack is with you. We'll talk soon. 
You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.